Hey everyone, welcome to the show. Uh, tonight we got a really cool guest on. We've got Butch on with us from Hope for Survival. And that little, uh, those bloopers I played in the beginning actually made sense this week because we're going to be talking about, it was basically, um, uh, we're going to be talking about network and working together and all that. And that was, you know, uh, uh, examples of working together when it failed. But uh, that's what we're going to be talking about tonight and mindset and stuff like that. Uh, Butch, uh, go ahead and kind of introduce yourself. Uh, I've got um, a little bit here. You run the Hope for Survival website. You also do some stuff at Heritage Life Skills. Uh, you're, in your bio here, it says you're a decorated U.S. Air Force veteran with 20 years of public speaking on emergency preparedness and disaster recovery uh, with over 39 years of experience in all facets of global security, vulnerability assessment, and emergency planning. Uh, Butch continues his, his efforts to focus on the spiritual and psychological foundation of the family and individual preparedness. And I assume that's basically hope for survival of the website in a nutshell, right? Yeah, that's that's correct. And uh, thanks, thank you guys for uh, inviting me over to spend the time with you all to talk about preparedness and the mindset. Um, yeah, my, my sole focus right now is on community. Um, I was blessed to have a great military career and uh, have great leaders and so forth and training. And now it's taking all those experiences and converting it to help the folks that live across the street um, to get in a self-reliant mindset, you know, to be prepared for um, any type of event, natural, man-made, technological, loss of job, injury, anything that's going to change their life tomorrow to be uh, prepared that they can still sustain some degree of lifestyle with food, water, still have, you know, have shelter in their home and so forth. So um, that's kind of how it started out. Um, <clears throat> um, I work in emergency management and um, I had been through a lot of FEMA classes. Um, and one thing that really stood out to me was, you know, and it makes sense, critical infrastructure, getting things in a community or a city back up running again. But what about the folks that are around you in your neighborhood? You know, um, yeah. yeah, there's 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 information out on websites. FEMA has information out there, but um, statistically, it's proven different programs FEMA is running. Most folks aren't paying attention to it. Yeah. So yeah. taking time to put hands on, you know, with this information and going out and spending time with people, training individuals and then trying to get them once they can go to their communities and sow seeds and then support them, go there and help do training and so forth, helping them build confidence to have hope, regardless of if they're wealthy, uh, if they're payday to payday, there is a way you can do it. And, um, giving them hope and then supporting them to, to build that sustainment um, is, is a winning ticket. And in the end, in the end, if we do come uh, down to some major type event, you know, the big one hits, whatever it may be, the more people we prepare around us um, to help food, water, shelter, security, and some other things, communications, medicinal, those that gives us more comfort 
in our home, in our community, because we have more people who are self-sustaining and we don't have to invest now. So they're not knocking on our door when yeah. they're out hey, of food. Hey, Butch, a uh, question for you. What, <laughs> when you try to get people to prepare other than finances, what's the biggest like mental challenge? What's the biggest hurdle that you come across with trying to get people with on board with preparedness of some level? That's a great question. Um, <clears throat> Early on, um, I made the decision, and it's uh, I decided to use the word preparedness versus the word prepper. Right. A lot of folks uh, they hear the word prepper and they think doomsdayer and you know uh, tinfoil hat and it, it's it's wrong, mm-hmm. but it's just it's out there, um, and because I because I'm focusing on every day versus preparing for the big one. Um, I use the word preparedness. Um, it is hard to get past that, st- that stigma because so much of our population, right and left side, are so dependent on the system. Yeah. You know, so, so one of the ways, one of the ways we've kind of gotten around it a little bit is like, you know, under, uh, the president before president Trump um, six months or so before he left office, Homeland security came out with new guidance. And in, in it, it said that all Americans should have at least six months of food and water. And then, so when say in our community, it's not me telling them you need to stock food. The federal government said you need to have it. And oh, by the way, here's some checklists off the FEMA site, again, from the federal government who you're dependent upon, right? Follows, so get them started from that perspective and then build upon it. But I have to tell you, um, I taught classes down at Heritage Life Skills in Waynesville, North Carolina. Uh, two weeks ago, it's put on by Carolina Readiness Supply. It's a great event great instructors from uh, all over, mostly the East, Southeast. This year compared to past years, one thing that was very noticeable was the number of individuals who were just starting into preparedness of mm-hmm. all ages. And in the past, it, ha- it hasn't been that way. There are folks who are at some level in it, but the number of folks um, I trained about, I think I taught like nine classes in, over the three days, um, mm-hmm. about 300 people. And it was, um, I was amazed at the number of folks that had less than three months experience in preparedness, but they're on fire to learn. And and today, their, oh, sorry, go ahead, Brian. Oh, thanks, Dale. Uh, what What's their biggest, what, what do you think like one of the biggest things is that's uh, promoting all the new preppers, you know, I mean, obviously like in the last year, we've had the pandemic, we have this bleak possible financial future. We've had all kinds of stuff going on. What, is there any common theme amongst it or, um, instability? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of folks are paying more attention that the information that's being piped out through mainstream, um, it's too incoordinate. It's not pro and con to a topic. It's all one-sided. Um, the number of folks who are basically saying that they're not going to go back to work because they make more getting the check from the government right now. 
You know, you can see like, I think it's like 20% of the company, 20% of small businesses in America are shut down for good during COVID. Yeah. Uh, I think Michigan, I saw one third of the businesses um, are shut for good. I think folks are seeing that. I heard a lot of comments on uh, um, people followed closely to the whole COVID um, deal for the last year and a half. And um, thing, things of that nature, just in, individuals trying to be more self-reliant for their, to take care of their families. <clears throat> um, there were a lot of ladies there um, alone um, trying to learn couples. There were a lot of couples there as well um, want, wanting to learn as much as they could and then asking, can, can you like help me? I, I like, this is my first time this weekend. I need help and I need it as fast as you can get it to me. You know, some of them money's no objective. Some of them, you know, like I tell folks, money should not be the, money should not be uh, the roadblock for you. Mm -hmm. If you have the desire and you, um, I try to get folks to change their mental toolbox if you fix it up here and you are now 100% committed to getting prepared, you will, you'll find a way, you know, mm -hmm. if you got to get rid of a few cell phones, go mow a few yards, walk dogs, you'll find a way, you know, um, but you can't prepare for a year till you prepare for, prepare for tomorrow, right? A week, a month, and you got to build right. a bond. So um, we try to give a lot, you know, um, most folks that I'm talking to and I'm talking to you guys the other day on the phone, giving people hope, you know, um, even when the picture doesn't look the brightest out there, it's giving mm -hmm. people hope and helping build their confidence that you can do this. You yeah. Know? It's not like rocket science. Well, and, and with me and Brian together, we kind of go beyond the basic stuff, but you bring up a really good point about there's a lot more, um, eyeballs on preparedness these days than ever before. Uh, and we, that's why we, we, we still try to do some of the basic stuff because yeah. there are a lot of new people. Um, and that's why today when we're, when we talk about like networking, I don't want to say necessarily prepper groups, but yeah. that community and stuff. Um, I want to go through kind of that entry level where the people like you were just talking about getting into it and then maybe, um, the more ad, not advanced, but the people that have been doing this for a while, because in yes. the in the time that I've been doing this, that is probably one of the biggest questions I get is how do I find people? Where do I find people? Uh, before we get into that, though, I've got this clip I want to play. I want to um, just kind of introduce this segment. But Brian brought this to my attention uh, the other day, and I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny, but I think I was thinking about this as far as prepper group. So Butch, when you, as you watch this, um, what would the, the, the pros and cons, I suppose, of this person being in your group be, uh, if it, it might make, it'll make sense here in just a second. Uh, if I can find the, the damn clip, um, <laughs> or not, maybe <laughs> what are the pros and cons of having Dale in your prepper group? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Being in charge there, of your technical side. There's the con right there. All right, let's play this one right here. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. 
Have you have you seen that insanity, Butch? Um, no, I heard someone discussing it, but I I, I think I may have shared with you on the phone, uh, or maybe it was with Sarah. One thing that I in my day job, I build emergency management teams in the facilities where I work. Basically, how we're trying to tra teach people for their communities. One thing I've learned is uh, when we have any kind of real event. It is the mothers and the grandmothers who are the first to step up and take charge. Uh, almost, almost always. So seeing that lady running out there, you know, uh, I wonder if her husband shut the sliding door after she ran outside um, <laughs> to, ch to chase, a chase away the bear. I don't know if it's the motherly instinct in grandmothers and mothers, but um, I love my dog. But not yeah. a chance am I going after no, a damn bear. A <laughs> no. Well, I but, don't know, man. I mean, you know, you look at it. The bear was on top of the wall, wasn't looking at her. Maybe she actually sized it up and said, I have a shot. Because, you know, at the end, end of it, she didn't get – she pushed the bear off the wall and didn't get hurt. Well, and if you look, the, the big dog is kind of the smart one. I'll play this again real quick. But the big dog is kind of the smart one because he gets slapped in the face. And then he takes off. He says, oh, hell no, I'm not doing this. But I, I think as far as prepper groups go, if you've got somebody like this in your group, the good, the pros and cons of this is the pros, you're going to have a little bit more as far as rations go for everybody in your group. And the cons is you're going to have to find somebody else to do the gardening or whatever her job was because she's not going to be around for very gardening. long. Gardening? Yeah. Well, security? security? Like, she's your, your crazy security officer, man. She's your, yeah. your uh, prepper apocalypse mall cop. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah, send her nobody getting past her. Yeah. Well, that's that the one I want to go to the gate at night. Yeah. You know, when, when there's a stranger out, out, out of the perimeter gate, you know. I like um, dude, she's willing to go tangle with a bear over a dog. What will she do for like her family <laughs> and friends? Yeah. You know, yeah. And, 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 and Hey, I have no problem with her doing over a dog. The dogs are great. And she did great, but that woman is dedicated. Yeah. Maybe well, it's she, her security system. Her little yapper. Yeah, she's you know. she's lucky that bear was on that fence, that little tightrope, because if that bear could have <laughs> taken a, a bigger swipe, he would have. But um, yeah, it's just kind of interesting. And, and the reason I brought that up is because in prepper groups or prepper, you know, your networks or whatever, I don't necessarily want to call them groups, but um, you, yeah. you have to it's we Brian and I have talked about this in the past where it's not just about having that person with the medical skills or the military skills or you know the the gardening and stuff like that it's those personalities it's what they're going to do in different situations that make a, a big difference as well um, what their attitude are they going to be the ones that cower in fear are they going to be the ones yeah. that that are you know figuring out how to do it are they going to be the ones that you know make every make people like me look like wimps going out and and tackling bears and stuff um but the, all you know, of that stuff's important um a lot of folks don't give a lot of thought to uh the whole brain freeze uh, yeah the fight or flight that until until a situation happens or someone brings it up to them maybe in training you know maybe uh where you work at an active shooter class or something like that but that's one thing that i think that's important about training. You know, you hope that if you have a stressful event happen, um, 
that you have had repetitive training on how you're going to react. And when the event happens, you immediately go into that, that training with some common sense so that you don't stop and give it thought to think and allow the uh, freeze to kick in, you know? Uh, and, you know, one of the things, well, I call them communities, but um, like in the groups, uh, when I when I set it up, I, I call them like um, the, a node, a family, or a tribe. Um, that's kind of how we went how we went about it. And in the uh, preparedness one hundred and two class that I teach, we go through like these are all skills that you need to look through to have to find in your community. But one of the big things is um, you can have all the skills in the world, but if if you haven't spent time bonding together. Uh, knowing personalities, strengths, weaknesses, and so forth, um, you could run you could run into to bad problems at the wrong time. Yeah, you, you get know? you get those groups, and yeah. it, while it lo- all looks good on paper, if you don't yeah. know those people and or, or you don't have that bond to where you absolutely know they're going to have your back, I'm, I'm sure both of you, since you have military experience, can speak to this. Uh, but it's it's those bonds that you build that those those people, um, you know, the bonds that that girl built with her little dogs and just wasn't going <laughs> to wasn't going to let anything happen to them. But you you get you you start to understand how they're going to react in different situations and in yeah. a some sort of disaster, SHTF event, whatever, um, you know, you want to make sure you you have a the best understanding possible, I suppose, how that person's going to um, respond because it's going to make your job easier. Um, if you can, you know, kind of play off each other and know what each other are doing, you don't have to worry about, Brian was talking about last week, safety third. You don't have to worry about what the other guy's doing or the other person in your group. Yeah, if you pause for a second or two seconds to try to figure out what your partner's going to do, those may be two seconds that you can't get back. Yeah. You know, uh, that may cost you, potentially cost you your life. Uh, which comes through again training and bonding and, and knowing one another we, skills strengths weaknesses and um, sometimes sometimes uh, sometimes I sometimes I even get people when I go out on the road and I go to meet with with these groups um, sometimes individuals they don't even know their strengths and weaknesses you know right. Um If they don't know their strengths and weaknesses, oftentimes there is a very low confidence level, you know, so they have a skill that's needed, but now it's trying to get that, that team to work with them, to help utilize those skills, but also build them up as a person. And then it comes down to the question of um, how much time are you going to spend on this project? Or how much time do you have to spend on this this project of a person because you need that skill, right? Yeah. Um, so um, they're kind of, I think it's safe to say they're kind of all different, you know, like um, the folks up in the community up in Kentucky, when I go up there, you know, they're more, more rural. Um, there's so many people fleeing cities right now here in the Southeast, 
Um, they're getting out of uh, New York, New Jersey, and they're coming down to the southeastern, western North Carolina is loaded, the mountains of North Georgia. People are selling out their businesses and homes and they're moving to the North Georgia mountains and, and other places. So now you've got, you've got um, city people who are going to the hills and now you've got to merge them and blend them in with hill people. And there's a huge trust factor there, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I have I have tons of resources, and I want to be part of a team with you. But yet, I'm an outsider. So that whole hill people thing, if you will, it's now you got to work to build that trust factor, you know. Um, and I see that often. Yeah, that's one of those. Yeah, when you're going into a situation, you don't just go in and say, "What's up, guys? I'm here. This is how it's going to go," because you're yeah. going to get that, you know, get the hell out of here type thing. Uh, but if yeah. you go in and and you're you're receptive to what's going on around you and all that, and you're willing to learn, um, things are going to go a lot better for you. Yeah. And that's the question that's often asked: is um, how can I go? How can I go about um, meeting these people as an outsider? You know. Um, you know, there's the whole meeting people thing. I think sometimes that folks make it maybe a little more difficult, you know, you don't want to go, um, I, I tell people, Hey, you know what, either host or go to, go to your neighborhood, go to a cookout, you know, invite people around you in, you don't have to bring up anything, just talk to them and watch them, you know, um, listen to what they're talking about. Find the individuals that st that are standoffish and are also observing. You know, maybe ask one of them, "Hey, where's there a nearing near uh, a close firing range that I can go uh, take my family to fire on weekends?" See who's the one that says, "Hey, here's where I go." Okay, well now you know these individuals have firearms, right? Uh, and just kind of just drop questions to them. You know. Um, yeah, it's those, how you do it in suburbia may be different how you're going to do it in a rural area too. Yeah. Yeah. It's those probing questions. Yeah. There's, there's no set recipe. Uh, I haven't found a set recipe. That's just like a blanket, you know, this, this will work for everyone. Yeah. You know? Um, so, you know, and then there's uh, it, it's like every, every household, you can have 10 families show up, you know, or 15 they're all different, you know. Um, I have a I have a lot of a lot of ladies who are over the age of 65, 70 that are big time into preparedness. You know, some of them some of them go regularly to the firing range. Um, they read a lot. Um, they can, and they're into medicinal. You know, they know all that stuff. And there will be a nice piece into uh, a group, but they're not the ones that can throw on body armor, run and jump in the bunker. Yeah. You know, but they have pieces that will help keep certain things, certain functions running. Um, but one of them is not going to be on the security team. Yeah. I, I yeah. think that may be a, kind of a trap that we fall into as preppers as well is thinking that it's got to be this, I mean, this, 
this defined prepper group, right? With all of these different gaps filled and, and all that stuff. And ideally, I, I suppose, yeah, that would be, I mean, that, that would be the ideal way to go, but uh, it's not, it, it's not feasible for most people. And I think you were talking about your neighborhood and stuff um, and doing things like that. It doesn't need to be that group. That's got one of, you know, a doctor and this person and four people for gardening and, and this and that it, it can basically be whatever you can, whatever you can bring into your fold. If it's a couple neighbors that have the same ideology, if it's friends yeah. that you work with family members, stuff like that, whatever, whatever you can do is going to make your situation better because we can't do it alone. Uh, in a, in a past show, I was talking with Brian kind of laughing about it because his buddies uh, that his friends that he's made throughout his life would be a fantastic group of people to have around you. My friends, you know, there's there's a few, but 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 nothing nothing like that. Uh, but I think that's the when I, that's one. Like I said earlier, that's one of those questions I get all the time: is how do I find people? How do I create this prepper group? And I think people have this idea that it's got to be this this structured group. And yeah, you know, sometimes it does. Hanging out in a gun store, man. Just yes. hanging out in a gun store. Yeah, that's a good start. Ham <laughs> uh, Radio Club. Um, yeah, but but you know, I'm I'm not casting judgment on on people, but there's people out there who will walk into the gun store or they'll walk into the ham radio club new, and right off the bat they'll say, "Hey, I'm a prepper and I have resources and I want to find people like me," <laughs> you know, and yeah. the, the shield automatically will like go up, you know, like. Um, you know, you you have you have the buzzwords and you worry me. So I want to know, know a little bit more about you before I start getting close to close to you. Yeah. You know, um, I one of the biggest things that I'm encountering right now that I'm finding is there's like a lot of folks out there, but there's folks there's few who want to be a leader. You know, I'm too busy. I don't have time to do it. You know, I'll, I'll be part of the group. Um, but no one wants to, like, be the one to, like, set up dates to do training, you know, uh, kind of take hold as to keeping the group functioning and organized and tapping into skills of individuals to to do training and so on. Um, it, it's that's one of the things I think I told you, I started a Zoom group last year right after COVID started to try to keep folks when they were locked down to try to keep them mentally active. So we've ran about 55 weeks now. You know, we started out with the basics, food, water, shelter. We've progressed on to uh, a segment on leadership. Um, we had guests come in and talk on topics. Um, we've covered the Constitution. So we've kind of gone past those basics. And um, because we had about 150 new folks sign up down at Heritage Life Skills two weeks ago, so I'm going to start a second Zoom and run them through that basic again and build them out. But part of it is trying, you know, if you, this is just my belief. If, if you can't, if you're hesitant to speak before people on a Zoom group, you know, but because of fear of speaking, which is was the encouragement. What they're teaching to us is great, but it's more so to get you comfortable talking to people. 
when things go kaput and the stress level, you know, reaches the ceiling, how are you going to convince your family to follow you? How are you going to convince those that live around you that you know what you're talking about if you haven't put forth and shown some some leadership qualities, you know? Um, so it's uh, it's it's it, it's been a little difficult the last the last few months um, trying to find folks to step up to be to be a leader, whether it's temporary or because I don't pick the leaders, uh, the community groups, um, they get together and at some point they decide and vote who they want as their leader. Um, yeah. So, and sometimes you have, you have too many that want to be leaders, you know, um, and, and you can run into some conflict with that as well. Yeah. Hey, real quick in the chat, Denise and liberated lady, were talking about how they're, uh, they're, they're basically the old, older people lived like that in the, they had that preparedness mentality in the first place. Um, yeah. and it kind of goes to that as you're, you know, people with, with those asking different questions and all of that stuff. Um, you know, you can figure that out just by somebody's the way they carry themselves and the way they do things. And, um, just by, you know, I kind of have a hard time with the whole meeting people and all that, because I'm, I'm more <laughs> concerned about, you know, where that really, it, you know, meeting that dude that just won't shut up that neighbor that wants to come over all the time. That that's my, my whole thing. Um, is, but at yeah. the same time, if you want to, it, you, you have to put yourself out there a little bit, at least to get to know them. And then, you know, then you can go, you know, other routes or whatever, or, you know, do what you need to do if it's that. So one you're saying that, you're antisocial. I am antisocial. Yeah. When, when I meet okay. people, I'm fine. I, it's not like I'm a dick or anything. I'm not, you know, like get off my lawn. But I, it's just that. Oh no, here they come again. It's like every day somebody not knocking on my door. What's up, buddy? There's what are you doing? There, there's one of those people over there. They might come and talk to me. Yeah, yeah. Sees me in the garage working on something, and he's like, "Oh, let's go talk to Dale. See what's going on." And I'm like, "Oh, is no. it anti-social or is it antitrust?" It's a little bit of both, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um, Denise's question is really good. Yeah, you know, I think I told you on the phone. Um, I have, I, in some of the community groups and they participate on the zoom thing. So I've gotten to know them over the last year or so. Um, I have quite a, I have several folks that are over the age of 75, 80, right. And, uh, they can't do a lot of these functions that we would, we would like to think, you know, they're going to go walk a perimeter or walk your fence and, but they have so much up here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, home rent, home remedies. Um, I try to instill people one is none, two is one and three is better. Always have a backup to your primary. Um, being able to do things or fix things with what you have and not necessarily always buying something in a box that sits on the shelf. That's your backup that you never get out until the first to your primary breaks. And then you're like dork because um you know times are tense but a, a lot of our um vietnam vets you know they have uh, a lot of hand skill from experiences in vietnam um a lot of nurses uh from that are like 60 plus years old 
um, old ways that they used to do things before all the technology today. Um, great, great resources. And I try to get them to give briefs to the, to the group to learn from, um, to learn from skills and ways that they've learned to get around things, you know, it's easy to go spend a couple hundred bucks and buy a medical bag and go through a couple classes, but, but hearing it from some of these folks that have, that have worked in emergency rooms years past, you know, um, um, maybe especially the ones that have moved to the South that grew up in, in like Chicago, New York, that worked in city emergency rooms. Um, they, they are a wealth of, uh, of yeah. skills to offer to us younger folks. I, I Grant, think I about say, you, you, you younger folks. Yeah. Well, not much. I, I think about how my grandma, like if she were around still, and if I were to talk to her about prepping or preparedness, she would probably laugh in my face and she'd be like that. That's called living. It's like, you, you yeah. really don't have, you know, enough problems that you have to actually title something and you have to actually, she's like, that's, that's just stuff she did. My, my grandma was a, she was mean. I mean, she was nobody to mess with. I remember she had her little 22 sitting on the nightstand. She had a, a shotgun with rock salt in it. Um, she had all her canning stuff in the, in the basement. It was base. I, that basement scared the hell out of me when I was a little kid. It was just dirt. Basically. It was a hole under the house and she yeah. had all her, all her canning stuff. She had the pressure cooker. So it's just the way they lived. And then it, we, we can, we can learn a whole lot from that stuff. Um, and the way that people did things back then, because as a society, we've, we've, we've lost all of that, or we are losing all of that. Um, it's, everything's prepackaged now you can go to you know there's pre you on your way to work you probably pass by 10 different fast food places walmart's yeah. got everything that you can think of on the planet and then some and and back then it it just wasn't like that so and in the future it or in any sort of disaster situation it may not be like that either yeah everything's instant satisfaction now i you know yeah. uh i call it the microwave syndrome from back in the reagan era you know um everything become right now you know we buy it we put it in the microwave we have a we have a meal right now if we want it we put it on a credit card we have it right now hard hard work you know uh is in some ways is a thing of the past um another thing another plus of folks uh like your grandmother learning these skills from them um so many folks that are into preparedness or that are prepping, um, they spend loads of money on technology. Yeah. If they lose that technology, um, can they go out and can they go out and use a compass to find where they're going? You know, they're, uh, they dump out their bug out bag, you know, or their day bag. They, they dump it out and like half the bag is like technology, yeah. you know? They got like four extra pounds in their bag, just batteries, you know, uh, to, to run this equipment. Yeah. And if you don't Even in the military, so much of the military now is, uh, is, uh, high tech, you know, um, gizmos and gadgets and things that make it easier. You know, there's not a whole lot, a whole lot of, uh, the past, uh, plotting on pads with pencils and, it's just, it's not there anymore. And if, and let's say that we had either a, a CME or an EMP uh, of some sort, 
and you lose all those capabilities. Now what? Yeah. The, the technology is cool and all, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of great yeah. stuff out there, but you've got to, I, I guess th what you need to do is make sure that is that in the, in the case of a CME or the a power grid going down or something like that, is that viable? Are there different options to make that a viable product? And if not, you've got to figure out that thing. Yeah. I, I guarantee you my, my kids, um, I've taught them how to read a map just the, at the basic level. I guarantee they don't know anymore because they just don't care. Um, people don't know how to, like back when we were kids, having to get to a party or whatever from your friend writing it down on a napkin <laughs> or giving you yeah. directions. Uh, yeah. You know, that doesn't happen anymore. Now it's like, give me the address so I can put it in my phone. And, and you know, it's easier than hell to get somewhere these days. But back in our day, yeah. you had to actually think a little bit and a, and an hour trip usually took you about three hours. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, you know, and all, again, it goes back to um, um, one of the one of the things that I always try in training and I try to encourage people, which is part of the whole reason I wrote the book, The Mindset, is um, we have to know who we are. We have to know our skills and abilities um, as we age. Our brain tells us we can still do things that physically will probably hurt ourselves trying to do again. We have to accept those, but how do we overcome those? How do we overcome those obstacles? You know, um, being prepared um, uh, mentally for uh, your psychological, spiritual, and your physical condition. You know, how well do you know you? And and then, which helps your your mindset, which is your mental toolbox you know yeah yeah um um you can gain i think you can gain so much ground helping individuals um by being confident instilling hope in them um to kind of get them out of that shell you know a lot of them just feel beaten down they watch the they they watch the cable networks and you know, they just, they don't see sunshine on the other end, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you know what? Um, we need to do these things and to help one another because, you know, God forbid if something bad happens uh, to change our entire way of life, uh, I, and hopefully you and the folks that we work with, I hope we are there to rebuild our community um in a better way uh on the other end you know yeah um yeah. so i think that's a big that's a big part of it you know just trying to uh i try to take a lot of things that we used to do like uh, my last nine nine years i was a security advisor to um uh i was in the air force a special duty assignment but i was a security advisor um to socom and jsoc and um, I've taken some of that stuff and I'm now using it as well, trying to teach people basic, simple things like um, the first of every month, I try and encourage people to do like a uh, threat matrix, a global national in your five mile radius, you know, pay attention to what's going on. Here's the cause. How's it going to affect you? Right. Yeah. You can't change the election that happened in, in, in November. But how's it going to affect you, especially if you're retired and you're on fixed income? 
higher taxes, right? You're gonna you're seeing fuel prices go up. You're seeing food prices that that are going up as well. Um, how are these changes going to impact you, right? Foreign policy. How how could that impact you globally? That could affect you here in the United States, right? Yeah. Um, so just try and it, it, the whole thing is a, is a mental investment trying to get people to invest versus sitting back and waiting on a podcast or something to say the sky's falling and then they're like okay the sky's falling instead of saying well he said the sky's falling i don't agree because of a b c d e right so um um it's it's not ending yeah. You know, it's all good. Uh, I, I wouldn't want to do it um, any other way. Help helping folks. Um, I think that's especially those of us at our, at our age, if we have anything we can offer to people um, doing it, you know, um, because uh, I lived in North Alabama in April of 2011 when we had the massive I think we had four or five cat five tornadoes that went through Huntsville and uh, we were without power and water and and utilities and all that for like a week. And um, everyone around us who had been born and raised in Huntsville, none of them had candles, none of them had food. So they were all like hanging out at our house and we were like feeding them, you know, and you got to know your neighbors better, but it's, but again, it goes to show that that was just a localized disaster. Yeah. You know, imagine something that's sustained longer where the system can't get to them and help them. They're going to, they're going to be beaten on doors. That's why now invest in, invest in people and get them to invest in their communities. To, even if those around you do, do not prepare and put food back, you can put a little check mark by their house and that's good information to know that this house and this house and this house, um, there's probably people there who are going to last about 24 hours. Uh, and you could see them again at your door. Yeah. Well, Hey Butch, before we get out of here, I completely spaced out in the beginning. Um, you've got a book that just came out. You've got a, a couple books. What? Yeah. I, yeah, me and my promotion. You gotta if you're on our show, you gotta self promote because I'm not gonna do you any favors. But um, <laughs> <laughs> we don't even promote ourselves usually. Yeah, I know. You're um, doing good, man. You're doing good. You've got a couple books. You've got one that you wrote quite a, a while ago, uh, Hope for Survival, um, uh, and then you've got the new one, The Mindset. Right? Um, explain yes. a little bit about what the mindset's about and then where everybody, well, the, the link is right here on the video, hopeforsurvival.com. But explain to, before we get out of here, explain to everybody about that book a little bit. Um, okay. How that's, that, how that's going for you. Um, so the hope for survival, the mindset, uh, been out about three weeks. And um, if I could snap my finger and do it over again, it would have actually been the first book before the, um, food, water, shelter, security book, which is more of a workbook, manual type book. Um, the mindset is basically uh, I'm, I'm, I'm addressing you, the individual. And basically, I'm trying to take the average person and show them 
the way to go from the 90% group, I like to call the 90% group that runs to buy the toilet paper and convince them how to go to the 10% group who runs the opposite direction because they're already prepared and uh, kind of go through uh, the reasons why. Basically, the goal is to get them out of the box and left of bank. So using verbal yeah. and nonverbal skills that we can learn, uh, verbal judo to get out of situations. Um, it took some maturing on my own part coming out of the military. You know, I used to have the mindset that, okay, let's, let's deal with this right now and, and, and get it over with. But as I've aged, um, and have family, it's, I, I want to live to see another day. Right. So trying to encourage people when they go in a restaurant, how to pick a place to see, to sit down, to recognize where there's a secondary exit at. Can you pick the table up and use it as a shield if you need to do so? If, if, if you're in a shopping mall, how to sense that there's something not right and how to start uh, regressing out of the situation before walking through it with your family. So yeah. I kind of go through a lot of different scenarios in there. Um, and the, the whole point you see on the front, it's a person in a tunnel and there's a bright light coming at them. For one, who, for one who is of the of the ninety percent mindset, um, it's a train coming at them, right? But by the end of the book, I ask the, I have the photo in the last chapter, and I ask the question again. So, what do you see now? And the, hopefully, the answer is it's a bright light because there's hope beyond that light. By training ourselves and as individuals our mental toolbox to be more cognizant of what's taking place around us um uh is basically the goal yeah and then going on into your individual preparations very in, cool in the first book so and all, all proceeds from my books go to charity i don't keep nice. anything um off off of off of the book so um it's to, um, it's going to basically help feed individuals who are out of work or homeless to uh, have food. Amazing how we all focus on food, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially now. Yeah. Um, okay, so I, I, to everybody in the chat, I apologize. Uh, little Urban Prepper had had some good comments. Dustin had something that I I missed. Mm -hmm. Um, so I apologize, but we'll try to, maybe we'll, I'll go through these and we'll address them in the next show or something, but I appreciate you being on with us tonight, butch is, um, you, you've got a lot, a lot of knowledge, a lot of stuff going on. Um, we'll be doing a zoom call with you here in the future. Um, it's just really to. cool to get these different perspectives and get perspectives from yeah. people that are, that have been doing this for a while, people that are helping those, those new people get into it. Ryan and I try to do that. We've got a, a, big library of stuff that we've done in the past that really goes through the basic stuff, but that's where everyone's got to start. And then you kind of graduate past that. But uh, I appreciate you. Yeah, being on. I think we have to be adaptable too. you know, as times change, a lot of the, a lot of the things we're doing, is the same, but flexibility, you know, what region you live in could be a difference. The politics of your state could be a difference. Yeah. Um, so we have to adjust, but, 
thanks for uh, thanks for inviting me and having me. And uh, I'd love for you guys to uh, one or both of you come over and uh, one of our Zoom calls as well. Yeah, absolutely. I like for our folks to hear different perspectives. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, definitely. Hey, uh, real quick, uh, Dale, before we get out, uh, Dustin had a question. He asked if your mortgage payment never changes, should you stack up cash to ensure you have money uh, to pay to keep a roof over your head, wh- whether inflation uh, goes uh, rampant, I guess uh, you have one thousand in the bank. We'll, we'll pay you. We'll pay your mortgage. Hey, uh, Dustin, I would really uh, do some research on that man and and look deep into that because uh, that's a, that's a really big decision you have. I do know I've seen some stuff where people have talked about that, and they're saying you know as these home values get more, if yours is locked in at a lower rate, people are just you know your house value may be going up, and and but you're you're still paying those kind of uh, those pre-inflation dollars, I think. So I, w- I would look at that though and talk to, talk to a financial expert, man. I, I would love to give you some advice on that, but you'll end up freaking homeless if you listen to what the hell I got to say. <laughs> well, and there's just another comment that popped in before we get out of here into the wilderness said, Brian is so cool. If he were a drink, he'd be Kool-Aid. <laughs> is that your, is that your brother or something or one of your friends? That's gotta be. Who's gonna? Yeah, I don't know about that, man. <laughs> Who's gonna say you're that? suspect into the wilderness? You're suspect. <laughs> Keeping my eye on you. Anyway, it's nice to have serious <laughs> topics, but to hear you guys actually laughing—that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, we 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 try all the time. Sometimes yeah. we get pretty heated. We've even got a uh, a little uh, verbal uh, 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 cussing warning that we have to play sometimes because sometimes we get heated. But we like to have just have fun <laughs> and just have conversations and. Uh, get in the chat. It's just it, you only live once, and you, yeah. you know, like like I always say, the end of the world doesn't have to be the end of the world. It is what you make it. So, but uh, I appreciate it, Butch, for being on this week, and everybody yeah. in the chat appreciate you all joining in. Um, but with any, that, any time, yeah, yeah, we have a big mission ahead of us. You know, yeah, yeah, no kidding. The, the more we can uh, help daily, it's uh, going to help them go help other people. Yeah. So. Um, Good stuff. All right, Butch. We'll talk to you later. And everybody in the chat, we'll see you all next week. (laughs) 